This is the Grow Your Clinic podcast from Clinic Mastery. We help progressive health professionals to lead inspired teams, transform client experiences, and build clinics for good. Now, it's time to grow your clinic. Welcome back to another episode of the Grow Your Clinic podcast. My name is Jack O'Brien, your host. And as always, I'm really grateful that you would choose to spend the next half an hour or so with us as we dive into all things client experiences, leading teams, creating authority and growing your clinic. And today will be no different. We have another guest joining us. I'm really excited to welcome to the podcast, Brett Jarman. Brett, how are you going? Very well, thank you, Jack. Thanks for having me. It is our pleasure. So for those who are unfamiliar, Brett is the CEO of Experts on Air and Help Me Leverage, and he works really heavily in the the authority and marketing space, helping people to really stand out and, as the name suggests, help them leverage. So, Brett, before we get into the nuts and bolts of how you can help clinic owners, I've got a few rapid-fire icebreaker questions for you. Are you ready? Far away. All right. Number one, what are you reading or learning right now? I've just finished reading a book or listening to a book called The Middle Finger Project. It was, <laughs> was released just last week, and, and it is what it sounds like. It's, it's written by a woman, Ash Amberjay, I think her name is. And although I'm not her target audience, it was a very entertaining, very entertaining to listen to. And basically, it's about people getting out of the box, so to speak, and, and going out and sort of making their way in the world for themselves. And, and as for very humorous anecdotes and, and things like that. So that's what I've just finished. And what I'm about to start is Atomic Habits, written by, I think, James Clear is the author. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm constantly getting book recommendations. And that's the one that I've heard a lot lately. So that's unreal. That'll the Middle me. Finger Project. I'll have to add that to my Amazon wish list. That's yeah. Yeah. If you're an audio book listener, I would recommend the audio book okay. because it's, uh, the, the author tells a tale and, and she's very exuberant, shall I say. Yeah. Which is a good point. I, I only listen to audio books with charismatic authors yes. or interesting listens. So uh, that's an audible credit used. Perfect. Okay. Uh, number two, Brett, who inspires you? So my wife inspires me in, in so many ways. Like we're both in business together. She also runs a business separately with her sister, but you know, we've been together uh, how long? 30, 31 years, two months and 18 days now. And uh, yeah. all, all of those days are amazing. In fact, it was her birthday yesterday. Her and her oh. twin sister had their birthday. So she inspires me a lot. And, and someone else who inspires me a lot at the moment is a, a gentleman by the name of Mark Bunn. He has a podcast called Ancient Wisdom for Modern Health. And he, he looks at health from an Ayurvedic perspective. Mm-hmm. And he's... um. What he's very, very good at, like there's, there's so, we're bombarded with so much information about health and so many fads and, and it's really hard for people to sort out what's what. It's like Ayurveda is an ancient science, but he also, there's a spiritual element to, to what he teaches and mm-hmm. just kind of moderates everything so that you can make decisions with more confidence. Yeah, right. That's fascinating. Okay. Number three, what did you want to be when you were growing up? We used to live under a flight path in Auckland, New Zealand. So I used to watch the planes going over and I would think that would be awesome to be a pilot. But my next door neighbour, he had me pegged for being a lawyer. And neither of those things came about. (laughs) Uh, Very interesting. Okay. And what's a motto that you live by? Uh, Be the change you want to see in the world. Mm. And I think it was Gandhi who originally said that. Yeah, I was going to say Mahatma Gandhi. Yeah. Awesome, mate. So thank you for sharing. Right. Let's help join the dots for us. You've gone from the young tacker wanting to be a pilot, being earmarked for a lawyer, to now helping people with their marketing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> fill in the blanks for us. 
I had no idea that this is where I would end up and who knows where I'll end up after here as well. But when I, so when I first left school, I had a job for about eight months doing retail and then I, I had a real love of theatre at that stage. So I went into theatre behind stage. So I was a stage manager for a couple of years at Professional Theatre in Auckland. And then I got into the film industry, which was fantastic. Like I absolutely loved it. I was a, a, a lighting technician. I spent 16 years doing that, freelancing. And I bought and sold a couple of businesses along the way. And, and we've sort of went from New Zealand to Australia. That's where I met my wife. And we, we sort of went backwards and forwards a couple of times. But it was around about 1999... I was working on Lord of the Rings with Peter Jackson in okay. Wellington, New Zealand, which, which was probably the, the most expensive film ever made at that stage. But it was about three weeks into it, and I thought, I can't do this anymore. I had young kids at home, and I was just spending too much time away. So I said, look, guys, right. I'm going to pack it in. And I literally gave away all my tools, and, and I walked off having no idea what, what I would be doing. I started working with my brother-in-law. He was running an association for alternative fuels in, here in Australia. And that, that was when the internet was just kind of coming into its own. And, sure. and so I started picking up internet skills, ended up doing a bit of copywriting. Most of what I was doing, there seemed to be a communications element to it. So building yes. websites, creating newsletters for clients, writing copy for them, brochures and all those sorts of things and, and end up coaching people for a while. Yeah. And so it's been a kind of a, a slow evolution without any kind of deliberate intention. Mm-hmm. I, I tend to be, I, I'm not a person who thinks long-term anything beyond three years kind of does my head. And so, yeah, so that's where I got to where I am today. Yeah, right. And, and paint us a bit of a picture of what does Help Me Leverage do? So where the name came from is we work mainly with consultants, coaches, people who are selling their expertise. And mostly they tend to do that on a time for money basis. It's like, you pay me so much for an hour and, I, and I'll, I'll exchange my knowledge. Which, which will really resonate with health professionals. That's what we do. Exactly. In yeah, that's exactly what health professionals do. It's, it's kind of a, a trade on expertise. And often they get to a point where they reach capacity or the business is totally dependent on them. So, so Help Me Leverage was about finding ways to, to leverage that. So either setting up uh, coaching platforms or, or membership, membership sites, th- those sorts of things, just finding other ways of, of, of utilizing your knowledge. And then through that work, we ended up taking on podcasting as a tool for our clients uh-huh. because we worked out like podcasts are the ultimate tool for leverage. Like and from right. a marketing point of view, we create what we call a cascade of content out of podcasts and you get so much bang for your buck out of a podcast. So we started doing that with one client and then we thought, hang on, we, we need to really kind of zoom in on this. So then we set up the separate business experts on air, which is all about podcast production, podcast training, and we do podcast launches for people as well. So Help Me Leverage ticks along in the background. We've got a handful of clients that we work in depth with. Mm-hmm. And then the rest, sort of experts on air clients that help them with their podcasting. Okay. And just say the other aspect of Help Me Leverage is also building out their communications funnels after someone becomes a lead, so to speak. And that, that's where a lot of people fall down is, hey, sign up for my newsletter or, or download this or this tool mm-hmm. or, or this ebook, And then nothing happens after that. And there's such a lot of wasted opportunities there. Which makes a lot of sense. You can be positioned as the expert all you like and have all that leverage in place or authority. But if you don't have the systems and communications to be able to exactly that on the back end, you're just filling a leaky bucket. Okay. Yeah. So obviously positioning someone as an authority or an expert in their space really mm-hmm. matters. How do you do that? What are some of the elements that make up authority? People underestimate how much they know. 
quite often. So at the end of the day, the way I summarize authority is if you know more than the people that you're helping, then you're an authority. You're an expert in their eyes. Whereas a lot of people, and you would know this from the people that you're working with, and I, and I know it's particularly endemic amongst health practitioners, is they're often comparing themselves to others in their field. And they might compare, oh, look, I've only been doing this for eight years. Jack's been doing this for 15 years. So he knows more than me. He's more of an expert. So who am I, who am I to call myself an authority? Whereas relative to your audience, you know a lot more than they do. And in fact, that's why they're paying you. They're coming, they're knocking on your door and they're paying you however many dollars per hour or per half hour to consult with you. So the fact that they're paying you money they're already said, is already an affirmation of your authority. But they need to take that further and actually use that authority in their marketing. If I can just pull on that thread for a second, Brett, what role does experience have to play in authority. I'm thinking about the listener that's been doing this for 30 years and thinks because they've been doing it for 30 years, they're an authority. And also the maybe the younger grad or the recent clinic owner who's still a bit wet behind the years. Mm-hmm. Where does authority fit on the experience spectrum? Well, in reality, sometimes those 30 years can actually work against you because because you can, can get set in your ways. So some newbie who's sort of come through and they might have had, you know, combined their talents and their skills with with whatever sort of avant-garde education they've had, they may in fact have some advantage over the person who has been in the field forever. So experience is only part of the equation, Jack. So you're saying experience doesn't guarantee authority, although it could do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but but as I say, people can get stuck in their ways, so so it can, can end up being a disadvantage. But at the end of the day, so long as you're still being helpful to your customers or to the people who are listening, you're still relatively an authority. Yeah, absolutely. We, we often say that one year of experience repeated 30 times yes. isn't useful at all. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. And, and it's, uh, yeah, it's about the experience in the years, not the years of experience. Yeah. And in fact, if you were to think of an example that just comes to mind is if you were to think of someone who's been in business for 30 years, if they were to sit down with, say, Mark Zuckerberg 15 years ago and they were, and they were talking about Facebook and he were to table this as a, as a business idea, that would have said, no way. How are you going to do that? And even he didn't know how he was going to create a business out of it, but he right. just went ahead and did it. So the experience that he's had in his 15 years would far outweigh the experience of a lot of people who've been out there with three or four times the amount of experience that he has. For sure. So you mentioned something really important around how people, health practitioners or clinic owners often compare themselves to their peers, yep. their colleagues, and forget about that relationship to their clients you know the reality is you've often spent fifty thousand hundred thousand dollars and how many years at uni to position yourself as an authority so how do we break off that mindset of comparing ourselves to our peers and think more about the people that we're trying to serve how do we do that so firstly shift shifting that perspective is the first thing it's like you're not there to impress the other people in your field it's great to earn the respect of your peers and, and whatever but at the end of the day they're not the people who are paying you money or or who are turning up asking for your help so if you can earn that respect, then that's well and good. But, but at the end of the day, the, the people that you're seeing day in, day out at your clinic, they're the ones who really matter. And as I mentioned earlier, the fact that they're turning up and paying money and then coming back again and paying more money, that says something about, about your skill set. So that, that, that I think is the most profound thing that someone can do. And once they do that and put their attention on how can I be useful to these people rather than how can I impress someone or, or more importantly, how can I avoid the criticism of others? Because that, that's a real big a protection thing, thing isn't it? Yeah. amongst professionals. Is how can I avoid criticism? At the end of the day, 
you just got to put yourself out there and, and, and in doing that, you can be of far more service to more people if you're um, taking a stand, so to speak. Yeah, for sure. No, that's awesome. Thank you. So let's, let's think about the clinic owner who's gone, all right, I'm going to put aside my fears. I'm going to position myself and I really want to be an expert to the people I want to serve. And then they stare at the great white screen of death and, and think, what is creating content? What is creating an authority actually mean? Where do you yeah. start? Okay. Well, so in that situation, the, the first thing I invite people to do is notice the questions that people are asking you each week. And if you were to do that, I would guarantee that by the end of, and especially in the, in the health field, at the end of a week or two, you would have a list of probably 50, 100 questions that you could potentially turn into content. And even think of what are the conversations that you're repeating over and over again to the clients who come through your door. That's content. So the more you can leverage that and if you can educate someone before they come in, in to see you, then you can make your sessions with the clients far more productive because they're coming to you partially educated and then you can kind of dig deeper with them rather than going over the basics all the time. So to me, I, I think that's the ideal place to start is what are the questions people are asking and not just in your clinic, at barbecues, what questions do people ask? Right, very in good. So, in social settings, you always get, there's always questions that come up. Yeah, it's things like comments on your social media feed. One thing we love is helping client experience teams or reception teams, as they're probably more commonly known, document the questions that people ask on the phone when they're inquiring and, uh, and answer those. So what, what I'm hearing, Brett, is that content is a great way to position yourself as an authority. Is that the, the take-home there? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Seth, Why does that work? Why does content work? Because people have an appetite for it, because it's so easily accessible for us nowadays, and because, yeah, people learn from it. Like, it's, it, it's pretty hard to avoid content now. And people, we've got so many tools available to seek it out. Like, any time a question comes up, we can just jump on Google. You know, like, hey, what's this rash on my elbow? <laughs> you, you Google rash on your elbow, and suddenly within, within 20 minutes, you could be turning up to the clinic, and, and I'm sure a lot of your, uh, a lot of your listeners may object to that, but people will be turning up saying, oh, look, Dr. Google told me it might be this, 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 or this. So it, it works because it works. Oh, you're absolutely right. And I think that appetite that you mentioned is the real key. If people have an appetite, they're going to seek out answers. They're going to find an authority somewhere, right? Yeah. We might as well be the one presenting them with the correct factual information. And I think what you're saying is when people learn from your content as the authority, it's an authority marker. They trust you more. Yeah. You mentioned they come in primed, ready to believe you and do what you say, right? Exactly. Exactly. And, and in fact, one of the terms that we use a lot is we, we talk about entering the conversation going on in their head. So if someone has a particular problem and, and Facebook are absolutely masterful at this, they're masterful at knowing what people are concerned about, what their interests are based on their patterns on Facebook and, and even Google as well. And so they're very good. Yeah, you know, when they put an ad on your feed, it's not a mistake. It's because the algorithm has has worked out. Hey, Brett's got a problem. With, you know, some rash on his elbow. So they're going to suddenly put ads for elbow grease or elbow rash reducing cream, whatever that is. And if you've got content that relates to that, and Facebook is just one example. This can happen in dozens of places. If you've got content related to the problem that's going on in people's head, you enter the conversation going on in their head. And you give them some relief and it's kind of like, oh, okay, they want to know more. So, okay, well, Jack's got the answer. So what else can he do for me? Mm, I love it. 
that's some really practical advice around thinking about the questions you're getting asked, checking the, the phone inquiries, barbecue, social settings. What about, Brett, someone who's established a level of authority? They're not, they're not where they want to be, but they're on the journey. How do they go beyond just that low-hanging fruit and start to create maybe some more richer content? Is there any ideas for those types of listeners? Oh, yeah. The, the world is your oyster as far as that goes. Probably the most important thing is to be consistently producing content. So, so what will happen, and I've got no doubt a large percentage of your listeners would have done this, where they have a quiet period in their business and they think, okay, I'm going to start regularly producing content. And they might produce a blog post for, for three weeks or whatever, and then it gets busy and then they kind of fall off again. And probably the most important thing that you can do is start producing content on a consistent basis. It can be on your blog, it could be a YouTube channel, it could be a podcast, could be a combination of all of those things. You could be producing content for other people's websites and, and that's an opportunity for leverage. A blog post that you have on your site could quite easily be put on someone else's site. And then the ultimate ones are writing books, which, which is not as hard as a lot of people think it is. Right. A lot of people overthink the whole book writing thing. YouTube channel I've already mentioned. And in your particular field, like for your audience, even hosting events. So hosting an information evening about whatever their particular subject is, invite people along. You may or may not charge a fee for that, but it's a great opportunity for people to get into a room, find out from you what you know and ask some questions and ultimately you could get some business out of that. Absolutely love it. Talk to us about the, the point on leverage. So I'm thinking about maybe the clinic owner who's going to run a workshop like you've yeah. mentioned or has a YouTube channel or even a podcast, which as a side note is a brilliant play for clinics in 2020. It is red hot and our clinic has a podcast for a local bricks and mortar geographic region. I'm getting excited about it. Yeah. But what I'm, what I'm playing at here is around leverage and utilizing that workshop or that YouTube channel, that podcast in different forms. Is that okay to do that and duplicate it out? And how does that work? Oh, absolutely. And this is why we've gravitated towards podcasts as our tool of choice. So the way we teach it to our clients and the way we work with our clients is we have them record a podcast. Sometimes it may be on, on video or it may just be audio. Let's say it's recorded on video and audio. Well, obviously there's audio involved anyway. So out of that, you could, number one, you've got content for YouTube. Number two, you've got content that can go on your website. So the YouTube video can be embedded on your website. You can produce little video snippets out of that. So out of this, you might get you know three or four two-minute excerpts that you can start putting on social media. We also transcribe all our podcasts. Sometimes we'll turn that into a, um, we'll get a writer to turn that into an actual blog post, or we'll just use the transcript. That also goes on the website along with the video and audio file. And to be honest, that's one of the, the secret weapons of podcasting, because what that does is that attracts the attention of Google. Google loves words, even though they've got the technology to, to hear audio and ultimately they will come up with a search engine that will search audio files on websites but at the moment they're very heavily reliant on text and so we find that the most power that comes out of a podcast is the text that ends up on the website that attracts the attention of google which attracts and then you earn what we call compound interest mm. not compound interest in the sense that einstein was talking about interest in you and your subject and it just compounds over time through uh, you know through that regular production of content and just leveraging it in all those different forms. So you're saying that, you know, maybe an hour's worth of effort on a podcast or recording a couple of series of videos and batching it, that, that little, little block of effort, which is not much really, maybe an hour of prep, 
and an hour of actually recording can end up in 10, 15, 20 different versions across the internet. Exactly. Yeah. And just to crunch it down into numbers. So typically with a podcast episode of say eight to 15 minutes of you just talking about a subject, you could get a blog post of between 800 to 2000 words, which Google appreciates and your, your audience appreciates as well. And as you say, 20, even 30 different pieces of content, videos, audio files, graphics, quotes that can be pulled out. And that's, that's one of the other advantages of podcasting is when, when you're talking, you tend to come up with more turns of phrase and you think quicker on your feet than if you were to, like to write a 2000 word blog post, you're probably looking for most people to around about, you know, 90 minutes to, to two hours to write that. Mm-hmm. Whereas if, if you, if you talk for 10 to 15 minutes, bang, it's done. Brett, you mentioned if off the cuff a little bit around you could create content for other people and other people's yep. website. What role does relationships and networking have in building authority? Maybe that's appearing on other people's blogs or getting them onto your podcast. Is that useful, that networking element? Oh, totally. And in fact, content is a great icebreaker for starting a relationship. So whether it's inviting someone to come on your podcast or requesting to go on theirs, offering some content for them to use on their website, it's, it's a great way to start a conversation. Yeah, so it's, I think it's a perfect tool for that. And then is there a credibility transfer if, if I had you know, the best speech pathologist in Australia on my podcast, does that position me as an authority next to her or him? Yeah, totally. So for example, your listeners, they've probably never even heard of me, but the fact that you've gone to the trouble of having me on your podcast, if any of them are considering you know, some sort of authority marketing efforts, there's a good chance that they might kind of lean in and think, oh, okay, well, let, let's find out a little bit more about about Brett. And so in a sense, I'm leveraging your credibility. So absolutely, that's what happens, Mm. Jack. So there's that credibility transfer. And then there's also the audience cross-pollination as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking about uh, for our physio clinic that I own, there's a local gym that has a podcast. Yeah. And so we're going to do a little swapsie and a cross promo. And so all of a sudden, all of the gym podcast listeners are going to hear about our clinic and, and vice versa. So there's a multitude of ideas. I'm really appreciative totally, and yeah, grateful. Yeah. And the leverage happens in all sorts of different directions. Like we tend to think in three dimensions, but honestly, there's probably seven or eight different dimensions of leverage. That it's a crazy web, marketing. isn't it? I love it. Mate, that's been really helpful, really useful. If people were thinking about better leverage or more authority or maybe getting in touch with someone like yourself, where can we learn more? How can we find out more? Probably the best place to go to would be my website. So brettjarman.com. It's B-R-E-T-T-J-A-R-M-A-N.com. And then from there, depending on their level of interest, like if they're interested in podcasting, they can get sent in the direction of experts on air. Uh, authority marketing probably uh, help me leverage would be the point where we'd help them on that. So uh, yeah, that would be the first port of call. Perfect, mate. Thank you. And listeners, as you're thinking about this space and perhaps you've done our assess your clinic assessment on our website and maybe brand and reputation isn't a strong suit for you and your clinic at this stage, what a great opportunity to look into brettjarman.com and we'll, we'll link all that up in our show notes over at clinicmastery.com forward slash podcast. Brett, it's been awesome. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. My pleasure, Jack. Thank you so much. And thanks to your audience for listening in. Listeners, thank you for joining us. Uh, We really appreciate your honest reviews and ratings on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to this episode. You are always welcome to get in touch with me personally at jack at clinicmastery.com. 
And I can't wait to bring you another episode of the Grow Your Clinic podcast again really soon. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in to the Grow Your Clinic podcast. To find out more about past episodes or how we can help you, head to www.clinicmastery.com forward slash podcast. And please remember to rate and review us on your podcast player of choice. See you on the next episode.